0: Hello, I'm your host Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk brought to you by CityLets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting. Investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch just reach out. Let's Talk at citylets.co.uk. Today my guest is Daryl McIntosh, Policy and Campaigns Manager for Scotland for Arla Property Mark. Good morning, Daryl.
1: Good morning, Gillian. Thank you for having me back.
0: You're welcome. Now, since the May election, SNP have introduced the Housing to 2040 document as well as made an agreement with the Greens to deliver what they call a new deal for tenants as part of the rented sector strategy. Now, there's clearly a lot of change planned for the future of the Scottish PRS landscape. But firstly, can you explain to our listeners what the key priorities of this new deal for tenants are?
1: Well, we're we're waiting on the detail for most of it. But for from the snippets that, that, that have been issued, that there will be a, crea- a creation of a new housing regulator for the private rented sector. And that is to improve standards and enforce tenants' rights. Um, I think they're already there with the first-year tribunal, so it'll be interesting to see how that is developed. Um, there is uh, a soundbite to provide greater security of tenure for tenants, and that's by implementing greater restrictions on evictions over winter. Um, this is Scotland. When is winter? Winter yeah. runs from January to <laughs> December, as far as most people <laughs> are New concerned. Day. Yeah, so I um, don't know what the intention is. Uh, is there. Um, there is an idea it will be to make grounds for eviction discretionary, as they have been through the uh, through the COVID period um, as well. Uh, they are in, they, intended to introduce new rights for tenants, including greater flexibility to decorate homes and to and to keep pets. And there's nothing really to stop that currently, other than you know it's, it, it will be all down to to what does a landlord um, want? If a landlord has a long-term tenant, then surely they will they will allow that. Uh, I remember being on a I think it was a Bill to rent seminar. And they said 50% of the population have pets. Um, anyway, so you know, landlords are possibly alienating some good tenants or possibly good tenants out there. And we also developed recently um, from a Westminster policy, there was a pets bill that actually went through. Um, Property Mark have released um, uh, renting with pets and guidance guidance there. So um, it would be up to, to the landlords, but I think there's nothing mm-hmm. to stop them currently. So um, I'm not really...
0: Yeah, at the, I mean at the moment. We'll just touch on that because you know, well, we're aware that, that that you know some landlords can be quite selective when it comes down to obviously pets. With this, they've also introduced at the same time that that um, tenants should be able to decorate their own property. I don't know if you were about to kind of touch on that too. So we'll just talk about that at the moment. I mean, how do you think landlords will actually feel? Because at the moment it's all within the landlord's control but if that's taken out with the landlord's control and it's enforced upon them how do you think they will actually feel there
1: again i don't think it's a one size i don't think it's a one-size-fits-all you know depending on on the property it depends on somebody's um uh taste uh, mm-hmm. i suppose is you know landlord, landlord might accept again if it's somebody's it's somebody's home if they're going you know it means that they're going to be there long term um, is a landlord really going to go to object perhaps black walls black ceilings um that might not go down too well but if they then propose to put it back to, to how it was um i mean you always have uh, the tenant always has that risk as well to make sure it is uh, it is back at the end of tenancy to to how it was but um do you know what i suppose it is is are many going to object
0: yeah i think if that could be within the agreement they can be turned back you know especially yeah. if they end up Moving out maybe within a you know a few yeah. months or something. Yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, I'll let you carry on.
1: No, no, that's um, that's fine. And um, that there also there is an intention to to put in place or have additional penalties and compensation for illegal eviction um, and an overhaul of the first tier tribunal. I mean, at, at present, from what I'm aware, there is no scale of penalties, so it's up to the tribunal to to decide if there is uh, any. Illegal eviction. I think the bit of frustration here is is all these measures are in place, and um, perhaps they maybe need to, to look at the enforcement side of things. Um, there is also the the idea of one decent home per household, which will take priority over second homes um, and investment returns on property. So, i.e., their, their, their proposal is investment in housing is not for asset growth. So, they're looking to almost cap house price growth um, uh, as well. And it's difficult here because I, I think there's, there's a lot of contradiction. In their manifesto policies and the 2040 document if they're looking to grow um, private rented sector and help the private rented sector yet they say only one household um, the only one property per household takes priority. Um, also to cap commercial investment in the private rented sector which should be based on rental income return and not on capital appreciation so if anybody is in the private rented sector their income comes from the rent and they shouldn't even be contemplating the property growth um, there which um
0: Gosh, that can be hard, it's obviously. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. margins can be quite tight.
1: Mm-hmm. And then finally, the the best one, and I think is the one everybody's been waiting on, is the uh, the proposal to int- uh, for rent controls and rent capping, and uh, to introduce a points based system. Now that was in the Greens, um, the Greens manifesto, which is obviously. Part mm-hmm. of pro, part of the deal, and um, between the Greens and the and the SNP, there's no more to that other than th- it just won't go away. For the, the rent controls, doesn't see what the point system is. You know, uh, did you have conflicts for breakfast? Well, there's an extra point for you, you are a vegetarian. You know, there's other yeah. points. There's nothing there that it. I don't know how it, they, they propose this will work um, for for rent controls. Um, I think. Well,
0: yeah, let, let's let's focus on this because. Um, I mean, rent pressure zones were introduced in 2016 and have been deemed by many, including the Scottish Government itself, to, you know, to have failed. So can you explain the reasons why, you know, why, they, why it failed, the rent controls themselves?
1: I mean, has it failed? They've just not given it enough opportunity. I mean, it was all about uh, local authorities would have to present, it was all about collecting data. And then the local authorities had to go through the motions collect the data to show that um, rents were increasing too high in relevant areas and that could have been a postcode a street half a street a whole town or city from there but um they they then had to collect the data they then had to consult with um, various landlord uh, groups tenant groups um stakeholders like ourselves uh, as well and then put a case forward to to the scottish government um one issue i think is it's difficult to collect the data, and the second issue is only data on PRTs. Now, PRTs only came in at the same time, so you're going to take a little bit of time to, for that data yeah. to, to, um, to 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 collect and to gather. So you know, have really not given it enough time um, as per how they've how, how they've introduced it to, to to let it run. And obviously, said it's a, it's a it's a dead duck. I don't think COVID's helped because many landlords agents have reduced the rent. Right. Uh, and then they'll be, in, you know, they'll be looking at increasing again. So that data won't have uh, won't have helped them uh, helped them either, just to, to push something through. It's almost like they want something in place, and they don't care how it will work. But unless you know, the, the, unless they can get this in place, or some form of rent capping or rent pressure zones um, as well. But yeah, certainly as it stands, they've not given it enough time to work mm-hmm. or collect the relevant data.
0: Well, before I ask you, you know, your thoughts on the new rent control proposals, let's look at Berlin and also Sweden as examples of how rent controls have actually caused more problems than delivered benefits to tenants. Because Berlin's now one year into its five-year rent freeze, and although Berlin's average rent did decrease by 7.8%, New properties coming on the market, you know, that were eligible for a rent reduction dropped by around thirty percent. So, you know, what type of effect on tenants do you think this will have over the next few years for the city, and not to mention the effect on its housing market in general?
1: Yeah, I think the the issue and the issue with, with rent controls is um, I don't think anywhere in the world has ever been deemed to be a success, uh, and I know the the certainly from. The little I've, I've looked at the the Berlin the model as well is that the uh, there's a frustration there and the message is the same everywhere is to cut the red tape, and focus on construction, um, and get the the properties uh, the properties built and the right tenure of properties built. Um, from my understanding of it, all those properties that were built and that are being rented f- uh, before 2014, uh, that were built before 2014, are regulated. Those that were built after are not. So you've got this, you've got this um, spike there, which is introducing, I suppose, less choice and a bit of scarcity um, as well. I am not a fan of governments picking out how it works in other countries. They tend to cherry pick a little bit. And they don't look at the bigger picture, um, every country is different, different housing uh, issues, different banking system um, i I use the you know use the example of um, Australia people in Australia um go to the can go to the beach and have a dinner, uh, their Christmas Day dinner on the beach. Um, Scotland has Christmas Day, Scotland has Christmas dinner, Scotland has beaches. Are the Scottish <laughs> Government then going to say, go and have your Christmas dinner on the beach? So there it's, it's, it is. It doesn't is t- work
0: in certain countries, it's, what works. In, you take yeah. it in
1: context, uh, I think. There, different markets, um, different conditions. Yes.
0: I know when you mentioned construction, but I mean, surely rent controls themselves being introduced, surely does that not put off investors, you know, kind of new construction in the city?
1: Yeah, I think you I think it will, and that, that's definitely something that that they will have to have to consider. Um, the the you know whether it's the small investor or the larger um the larger in, investor or somebody who is is putting the money into the property to provide people mm-hmm. um to provide people with a, a home. So it, it, all of that has to be yeah. will have to be considered. Yeah.
0: And you do wonder, you know, how it would affect landlords as well because. You tend to, you know, knee-jerk. Often landlords may start selling up if you know they've got this this kind of threat of a kind of five-year rent freeze. But also, I mean, Sweden has been champion rent control since um, World War Two and has, you know, a state-run first-hand as it's called lease, which means the rental property is yours for life and the rents are not subject to excessive increases. So. This sounds like an ideal situation. However, I think the waiting lists are on average nine years. So, what other issues can a system like this cause for tenants, do you think?
1: I mean, again, it's a deal you know, when you're. Uh, this is a soundbite um, from. We, we have a political monitoring software at Property Mark, and we see the questions um, that politicians are, are asking um, to be answered by the Scottish Government. And um, Maggie Chapman from the Greens is, has. Uh, submitted a question to ask the Scottish Government what is the position on whether the Swedish national system of collective rent bargaining through a national union of tenants would help to address h- any housing issues in Scotland. I just go back to my my earlier comment about cherry picking the best bits from from another country. I mean, this was so. Sort of a, a, you know, if I'm correct from my understanding in, in Sweden, it's state-approved private companies or local authorities that are providing these these housing. I mean, that can only work in Scotland if it's. UK government funded properties because um, how you, you've got a, a lifetime tenancy, which is great for a landlord. That's what a landlord wants. Mm-hmm. But how's a lender supposed to get the property back? Um, uh, what happens if the landlord needs, uh, le- needs the property back um, for, for these examples as, as well? So ultimately, landlord has a property, they want a tenant um, and long term, uh, the better. But I can't see, you know, for, to use that as an example of a, here is a lifetime tenancy that, that just can't possibly work unless it's government funded um, or private company, which then it's, then goes back to almost social housing. Mm,
0: absolutely. Well, what are your main concerns regarding the proposed rent controls by s and and the Greens? And, and what do you think is the solution to preserving stable market dynamics in a sector where there is a degree of volatility and most notably in, in Glasgow at the moment?
1: Well, I mean, as we're we're speaking Glasgow at the moment, you know, by the time I leave here, it could be somewhere else. And I think what the example is there is that it's market conditions that, that are dictating, always have, and and uh, and always will. Um, the Housing to 2040 document states that people can live close to good quality schools for their children to attend, and they want affordable housing near these good quality schools. Why have we got poor quality schools? You know, it's the same Scottish government that are, that are regulating these. Put money into to developing the schools, and then you won't have the spikes and and hot, probably hotspots area because all the schools will be of a level playing field. And then, you know, there's one way of addressing it that way, but doesn't seem to have been considered in there uh, in the document. So, that is, you know, that seems seems simple to me. But why have you got poorly performing schools, and nothing's happening about it? Um, you know, raise them, raise them the levels of the schools.
0: I mean, the Housing to 2040 document addresses supply and affordable houses in Scotland, but, you know, the government aims to build 100,000 new homes by 2031, 32. And, you know, what are your thoughts on this target?
1: I sound really grumpy answering most of these questions, don't <laughs> I? But <laughs> realistically, if you break that down, that's only 9,000 properties yeah. per year. Um and then in the meantime, how many properties are going to be taken out of the, the, the system? That's what they don't they don't mention either. So you're looking at properties that are on their last legs, or will be on their last legs in the next um, uh, 10, 11 years. So properties built in the 40s, 50s, 60s. We've already seen them being being demolished um, on 70s. So it doesn't say how many of those are going to be taken out mm-hmm. and, and, and these replaced. So if you're putting 100,000, yeah, give yourself a pat on the back, um, really. But how many are you taking out, um, as I say, and then on the... The short, about oh, mm-hmm. something nine thousand a year.
0: I mean, what ways can new homes benefit the private rented sector? And you know, what would be your recommendations to the government to ensure a balance of the right tenures are built? You know, where they're most required.
1: Um, I see. So living in, Edinburgh, and it's quite topical at the moment. And then driving about. Every new build seems to be student accommodation, and I know it's it's been featured heavily on the on the news recently. And um, yeah, I got my sympathies actually for for the, for that um, year for the build. And I understand the argument is if you build X amount of student houses, um, student purpose-built student accommodation, then it will free up X amount of properties that are in the private the private rented sector. Um, there has to be a good good mix tenure of uh, of property now, and uh, you know we're we're talking about the elderly generation people are living longer as well so where are the bungalows where are accessible properties for people living longer with them you know that may have uh, physical impairment um, as well so not just affordable properties which seems to be um, the the aim for the government as well it's it's you know it's the bungalows for people who can who can downsize and may want to spend a little bit of uh, you know they're in four or five bedroom properties uh, may want a a smaller one but uh, you know quite a good a good quality bungalow there uh, there as well Social housing isn't the holy grail that the Scottish Government think it is. Not everybody in private rented sector wants their final goal is to have social, you know social housing it, it, it suits some people's lifestyles, whether it's job or they just want to to rent as well. So they have to be, you know, Scottish Government have to be aware of that and look into that for um, for future builds.
0: Well, do you feel, you know, your concerns, you know, Arla's concerns and other kind of prominent industry professionals have been reflected in the strategy?
1: Um, not really. I don't think um, it is from from what it's been put together. And certainly, we we regularly have um, communications with the the Scottish <coughs> government. Um, uh, we've got a uh, you know we're doing a lot of public affairs. So with um, opposition MPs, uh, even MPs in the uh, within the, the the SNP as well, um, they are. They are happy to challenge some of these policies that, that have been put forward, and to be honest, a lot of them are landlords, and a lot of them have their own property portfolios uh, as well, or have come from families of, of property portfolios um, as well. There was a we're getting the we're finally getting the message across because I think a lot of policies um, were and have been, and not just in Scotland and throughout the UK, and I think a lot of the civil servants and ministers are finally picking up that the policies that are putting together have been put together on anecdotal data, um, nothing that's transparent or, as I go back to when I mentioned earlier, where governments are cherry-picking the best parts. Yeah. So, you know, some of these um, some of these stats that are thrown out have been cherry-picked and, again, not looked at, at the big picture as well. So um, we are starting to get... you know, We're getting the message across... Um, Data is so important from you know from agents on the ground and landlords on the ground to see this you know what you're saying isn't what's happening and that's what we're getting there. we're finally getting the message across and they're and they're starting to listen.
0: Well, oh, so what do you feel then the government need to do to ensure private landlords don't exit the market?
1: And um, redress the balance and as I say it's something we've been doing we've been um, we've been collecting data where I've been um, issuing kind of. Just short, quick questionnaires on on how it's uh, how how properties have been managed, what have been the level of rent arrears, particularly through the through the Covid periods, mm-hmm. how many eviction orders have been issued? Because you were led to believe this time last year that it was going to come to an end where mass evictions, mass rent arrears. Not seen it. I mean, we've probably seen less, um, and uh, we've just been getting data, data on that. Um, as I said, we have regular meetings with the Scottish government, um, with the civil servants there as well. Uh, they're now keen to see, keen to see this data because they're, they you know, they're listening to the anecdotal data. Um, it's just not being being backed up. So um, yeah, it's the, you know ever we ask for for data, I'm always happy for people to send me their their examples even without being asked. Uh, it is unbelievably invaluable, um, particularly if you're helping shape um, policy going going forward. As I say, we're regularly meeting with um, with the ministers and um, and all the all the MPs. We've uh, a meeting scheduled with Patrick Harvey in November um, as well, just to, just to, to to kind of. Redress the balance, and 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 say that yeah, everybody wants a fair system.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, do you do you believe that the pandemic has presented opportunities then to review the existing property markets regulations? You know, with the view to help meet Scotland's housing demand.
1: I think it's been taken advantage of, and it is being taken advantage of, and um, the regulations that were introduced were temporary and that is a key word yet were now extended to March based on what and Wales extended theirs till the end of December the extended notice periods based on what you know as I said all we are saying and presenting the evidence to say you're increasing these these temporary regulations and we've got the evidence to say that there isn't mass evictions, um, there isn't mass rent arrears, they've been handled and um, there is nothing for you to continue there. I, you'll never believe this, I can be a bit cynical at times. If you have a look at it with the temporary regulations <laughs> now extended to March with a provision until October, effectively the Scottish Government have gone until October to introduce new regulations that could be that could be the, the grounds for possession remain discretionary. From October next year onwards, so we'll never see mandatory grounds for possession again. Mm. So they have that potential to introduce new new regulations, um, and uh, and this wasn't what the um, the temporary regulations were for. I had a, you know, I remember speaking to it was Kevin Stewart, who was housing minister way back in March of last year, and you know it, we had to take a pragmatic response. Nobody knew what was coming at the start of mm-hmm. COVID, and you just said, well, oh, it's temporary, um, that that's fine, but as you know, we're now into um, the end of 2021 and we still have those temporary regulations. So the, the pre-action protocols, um, I don't think anybody has an objection about that. Um, there is, you know, they're helping tenants and directing them to the finance and that is available. They will undoubtedly remain after this. It's, it aligns with social housing, the social housing sector. but. The, does it only work because the finance is available, the funding's available? And also if they look at the data you know, if you're looking at the data, they will then see how many landlords have tried to engage to how many tenants have tried to engage. Uh and the tenant engagement is unbelievably minimal, um, as you as you can uh, can imagine. So it would only only work um I suppose if the funding is uh, is, is still available. Mm-hmm. So um yeah.
0: Well, on another note, as um, so I'm sure you know, this this would have been discussed. Unfortunately, I, I had to miss it. But our property Mart recently had their Scottish National Conference, so mm. it tells you know how did the day go and, and the main focal focal points. I did see um, afterwards. Obviously, I was kind of catching up on more of the social media side of what had happened, and uh, somebody from SAS had kind of landed on the stage. <laughs>
1: Yeah, call yourself (laughs) Colin McLaughlin. He was a keynote keynote speaker, and he was there for motivational teamwork skills Mm -hmm. and just something different. Thought it was really good. Um, I thought Mm -hmm. you know if you you took on board um, what he said about teamwork um, uh, and how the SAS are all generalists. So while the other you know these specialist um, teams in uh, in in America and whatnot. They have um, they have a, a, a specialist, so they'll have a comms guy and they'll have a medic in their team. But if your comm guy goes down, you know, no longer have comms. Mm-hmm. So they have the, the SS are generalists, so everybody's you know they'll have somebody who's who's, who's got more skills in yeah in yeah, yeah But areas. but they can all do all of it, which mm-hmm. I think is great to take on board for uh, for a team as well. I do think you needed specialised training to get out of there alive. Some of the women were um, were a bit keen on them, I think. So. <laughs> he, did, he did well to get out, out of violated life. by yeah. the females
0: in the lettings industry <laughs> I'd
1: like to say I know how he feels but I don't um, yeah it was a good day as well and we had mm-hmm. um, social media tips for business um, as well and um, which seems so basic, but so good. And then she got um, an awful lot of uh, inquiries after after that as as well. And we had a message from the Shona Robertson, the current effective housing mm-hmm. minister as well. Uh, she didn't attend, but she sent a video. Uh, and then the um, the PRS team went um, went after her to to do a presentation and take questions. Effectively they were thrown under the bus by the housing minister's video. Right. But they, they had saw it first, so they knew what was coming. Yeah. Um, and, uh, on reflection, I think I, I take my hat off to them. I don't know when they stand in front of people that people are going to be happy. So you know the room full of agents, not happy. If they do a landlord event, not happy. If yeah. they do a tenant event, not happy. So, um, yeah, on reflection, I, I felt a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of empathy for yeah. uh, for them. So no, it was, it was it was good. And then Rory Cowan from BKF did his his, oh, yeah. his, his legal update as well. So um, yeah, I, I don't get paid to say it was good, but it was, um, it, yeah, was uh, it was a good event. A good yeah, day, yeah, it was good. yeah it was a good event, and it was good. I think people enjoyed finally getting out um, yeah. for a little bit.
0: Absolutely. return to a bit more normality. Well, finally, Property Mark's chosen charity for 2021 is Young Minds. So tell us about the charity and how people can get involved if they would like to help.
1: Yeah, this charity is, is to help children and young people with uh, with mental health issues and to, to provide them with the support as in, and when they need it. Um, it also provides support for parents as well um, who've got children that are perhaps going through, through difficult times um, as well. It was one of our members, I think, um, their daughter went through a, a difficult time. Um, I think it was trying to go back to school after COVID, a lot yeah. of anxiety, a lot okay. of stress, um, and didn't know... Didn't, I think there was maybe a bit of bullying going on as well, so didn't know where to turn to. Found this, uh, found this charity. It's a fantastic, a fantastic cause. Um, while everybody was having to, to isolate, the, um, somebody, a lot of the members joined forces to raise sponsorship um, and they walked hundreds of miles, I think they took their dogs and things along um, as well, um, effectively from John O'Groats to, to Land's End. Uh, the aim was to is to get £10,000 for the charity, I think it's just a small charity to support young people's mental health. Um, they... You can still donate at uh, the Property Mark website, so it's PropertyMark.co.uk uh, forward slash Arbon Dash Trust forward slash Property Mark for Young Minds Charity Walk. So it is still you'll probably find it on the Property Mark website um, if you still want to, to to make a donation. But yeah, it's um, it's certainly mm-hmm. a, a great charity, something different, I think.
0: Absolutely, in real detail. Um Obviously, those those contact details that people do want to to get behind and support the charity too, because it's great. Because obviously, pandemics, public health a lot of you know existing problems for people um, and families. So that's great. Thank you so much, Daryl, for coming on and sharing all your thoughts.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm Gillian Sandler.
0: Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show don't forget to subscribe to the let's talk channel on all the usual platforms including spotify itunes and soundcloud as well as on citylets.co.uk forward podcasts and also let your friends know where to find us let's talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting For more information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast if you want to get in touch just reach out let's talk at citylets.co.uk